Okay. So, so I just want to go back and um, recap a few things. Okay. Isaiah has how many chapters? 66. How many, chap- how many books does the Bible have? How many books in the Old Testament? 39. Okay. So 27 in the New Testament. Even so, Isaiah can be divided into two parts, 39 and then 27. The first 39 is about events before the exile to Babylon, and the next 27 are things after the exile. So a good way to remember, 39, 27. And uh, what is this exile? I know most of us know it, that um, the people of Israel had sinned and God had sent them to captivity in Babylon. So to people who are not very, very familiar with history, can remember world history in short. So where did um, the ten tribes of Israel go into exile? Assyria. Okay? So first there was the Assyrian Empire. Then the two tribes went into exile in to Babylon. Okay? So Assyria was the world power. Then the next world power was Babylon. And which was the next world power? Persia. Okay? The Medo-Persian Empire. So, it's like Babylon came and ate up Assyria, and Persia came and ate up Babylon. Later on, we have the Greeks coming and eating up the Medo-Persian Empire. And immediately after that, the generals divided up the kingdom, okay? And at the end of of that period, we have the Roman Empire, and after that, I think most of us are familiar. So, the events that are being um, prophesied in Isaiah has to do with the conquest of Babylon by Persia in the first um, section, and then about the coming of Christ. Again, that was just a parenthesis. Now, 27 divided by 3 is 9. So 39 plus 9 is 48. 48 plus 9 is 57. 57 plus 9 is 66. So the second part of um, Isaiah can be divided into three sections. In the first section, um, the last time those who were here read it together with me, it was, it ends like this, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. That is at the end of chapter 48, 48, 22. And 57 ends with almost the same. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. And chapter 66 ends with no word like that, but the description of the distress of the wicked. So it is a very nicely, um, nice way to remember. Okay, I say 40 to 40 um, Eight, the first nine chapters. Of course, there are other things. But one of the main things is about the 
prophecy of Cyrus coming and conquering Babylon and the people of Israel being set free and um, the Cyrus giving the edict that the temple shall be built. And we also thought of Isaiah chapter 40 last time that it started with three voices. The first was the voice of God saying comfort Comfort my people, says your God. And second was the voice of John the Baptist, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And the last is the voice of the gospel times, says, the, All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field, the grass withers, the flower fades, etc. But the word of our God endures forever. So three voices coming through. Okay, again, we can think of the 27 chapters of the um, second section as parallel to the New Testament. Starts off with John the Baptist and ends with new heaven and new earth. You find the words new heaven and new earth in chapter 65. And chapter 66. So it ends with new heaven and new earth. Starts with John the Baptist. And at the very center, if you count the chapters, is chapter 53. Right? And that is about Christ. So at the very center, the core of New Testament, you have the Lord Jesus Christ. So these are a few parallel things for us to remember. Okay, I want to move on to chapter 41. Um, I wanted to read it, but let's see what we can do with it. Um, Before we go into it, uh, there are basically three main characters, a group of characters here. First, of of course, is the Lord, Jehovah. Second is the nations. And third is Israel. Uh, Some people refer to it as the convocation of nations. The assembly of nations. It's not the university convocation. It's the assembly of nations. The Lord has called all the nations together. And the Lord is there. And the Lord calls up in between Israel and talks to Israel. The Lord talks to the nations and the Lord talks to Israel. Um, I'll try to be short, but definitely need at least um, half an hour. Uh, so be prepared to leave, by, leave a little late. Um, so, verses 41 to Um, chapter 41 verses 1 to 4 we'll read first keep silence before me O coastlands and let the people renew their strength let them come near then let them speak let us come near together for judgment who raised up one from the east who in righteousness called him to his feet who gave the nations before him and made him ruler of a kings, 
who gave them as the dust to his sword, as driven stubble to his bow, who pursued them and passed safely by the way that he had not gone with his feet, who has performed and done it, calling the generations from the beginning. I, the Lord, am the first, and with the last I am he. So here the Lord Jehovah calls the nations, the isles, the nations, the faraway lands, whatever you have in your Bible. Basically, all the Gentile nations, the, uh, the gods and all the religious systems, the Lord is calling them. He says, keep silence, be quiet for a minute. Now, you cannot consult together and come and give me an answer. Let the people renew their strength. Then after that, you can come to me and speak. Listen for a while. And what is that? It is around 160, 170, 180 years, I don't know what, before Cyrus comes. And here, the Lord makes the statement. Who raised up one from the east? Persia is to the east and north. Medo-Persian Empire. So we have that in the north and east of uh, Babylon. Who raised up one from the east, who in righteousness called him to his feet. You know, many times this him and his can be a little bit confusing, right? So if we read it, who in righteousness called I'm using the name here, even though it is not mentioned. Who in righteousness called Cyrus to the feet of Jehovah. Who raised up one from the east, who in righteousness called him to his feet. Who gave the nations before him and made him ruler of a kings. Okay, we find again verses 25 onwards. I have raised up one from the north and he shall come. From the rising of the sun, he shall call on my name. The rising of the sun means the east. So I have raised up one from the north, and he shall come. From the rising of the sun, he shall call on my name, and he shall call. He shall come against princes as through mortar. So nowadays, how do we make mortar? Cement mixers, right? But in those days, what? How did you make mortar? Yeah. It, we were in Central Asia for long, so they still have the old process in some villages. They get the straw together and the um, mud together and put water and sometimes they stand, they do all kinds of things. Okay, so it is, um, what does it mean? He comes against them as if it is mortar. You can, it's not even firm ground, there is nothing to resist. Is coming through. So this is definitely a prophecy regarding Cyrus. And the prophecy um, goes on becoming more and more clear until in chapter 44, verse 28, he says, who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd. And chapter 45 again, the name of Cyrus is taken. So the Lord Jehovah says, he is bringing forth Cyrus from the east. Not very interesting, right? Some historical fact. But the Lord is saying this before. Now the fun is not there. 
verses 5 to 7. Chapter 14, verses 5 to 7. The coastland saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid. They drew near and came. Everyone helped his neighbor and said to his brother, Be of good courage. So the craftsman <coughs> and the goldsmith, he who smooths with a hammer, inspired him who strikes the anvil, saying, It is ready for soldering. Then he fastened it with pegs that it might not totter. You know, I was born and brought up in a Catholic village. In fact, my, our church there is more than 500 years old. And you go around 20 kilometers from my place and you got a church that's 1,400 or more years old. You know, when times of distress come, they all flock to the church. That used to be the tradition. So, in times of distress, what do people do? They go and do, they put all kinds of um, money offerings and burn candles, do all sorts of nonsensical stuff. Here, Cyrus comes through and all the nations are afraid. In fact, there's a story about Croesus, the king of Lydia, going at length to, um, um, to find out what would be the outcome of this and all that. So all the nations around were afraid. And here you see the idol makers are doing a great business. What are they saying? So everyone helped his neighbor and said to his brother, be of good courage. So the craftsman encouraged the goldsmith he who smooths with a hammer inspired him who strikes the anvil, saying it is ready for soldering. Then he fastened it with pegs. So there's a busy industry of uh, idol making going on. The nations are in terror. The nations are in terror. And where is the, where's the people of God? They are in Babylon. And what has happened there? homeland the temple had been destroyed with fire people have all been carried away there's nothing left there no one nothing and now they had Daniel in the king's palace and maybe a few more people here and there what's going to happen to us when Cyrus comes so here is the Lord's words to his people. And I think that's the point on which I'm going to concentrate the lack of time. And here it is. Verse 8. But you, Israel, are my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen. The descendants of Abraham, my friend. You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions and said to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
who are you you are israel my servant you are my servant you are jacob whom i have chosen yeah, i think in the tuesday study um, brother abraham joseph made this point jacob have i loved isa have i hated you are jacob whom i have loved you are jacob whom i have chosen you are my servant you are jacob whom i have chosen you are the descendants of my friend of abraham my friend you know if you have a bosom friend and if he's no more and if you see his son how affectionate you are to him the lord says you are the descendants of abraham my friend you are my servant or jacob whom i have chosen the descendants of abraham my friend you whom i have taken from the ends of the earth and called from his father's regions and said to you you are my son i have chosen you and have not cast you away you are my servant i have chosen you and have not cast you away let's be always assured in our hearts of who we are we are the servants of the lord most high we are jacob whom the lord loves us not because we are great we are jacob the cheat nevertheless jacob whom the lord loves the cheat whom the lord loves the sinner who's been redeemed by the lord jacob whom i have chosen you are the descendants of abraham my friend we are the blood bought children purchased by the blood of our lord jesus christ this is all what we need to know we are his servant we are jacob whom the lord has chosen the redeemed sinners we are the descendants of abraham his friend okay yesterday there was baptism right as i remember from uh, from someone brought up in a hindu family to somebody brought up in a family that was bathed from head to foot in brotherism <laughs> well in front of the lord all are same and he was my baptismal promise which i was handing over to kishore and uh, accidentally this chapter that i am on now fear not for i am with you fear not for i am with you you know he says i have chosen you even though you are a cheat you are the sons of my friend all that also then there's another thing to it fear not for i am with you the lord has called all the nations and he says he says he says see i am going to do something 
and I'm telling you before it happens. Then towards the end of the chapter, he says in verse 21, present your case, says the Lord, bring forth your strong reasons, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring forth and show us what will happen. Let them show the former things what they were, that we may consider them, and know the latter end of them, or declare to us things to come. Show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that you are God's, is do good or do evil, that we may be dismayed and see it together. Indeed, you are nothing, and your work is nothing. He who chooses you is an abomination. So God is talking to the gods and idols and the religious leaders and the religious systems around, and he's saying, you don't know anything. You have no knowledge of the past. You have no wisdom to interpret the history to make it intelligent to us. But I make the history known to you, and I'm telling you things to come before they come. I'm full of knowledge. And now, later when they are faced with Cyrus, they know it is the Lord who has spoken. The Lord who had spoken like no other, no other gods ever have. He has made known his knowledge. The, the God who could name the world conqueror of that time, centuries before, if that knowledge was evident to them, well, what else do they need? His assurances are enough. Fear not, for I am with you. I, the one who knows everything before anything happens, I am with you. It's not only that, it is I who have ordained all those things. This brother was saying about all those things. <clears throat> While well, we all go through many troubles in our lives, and... <coughs> Some of them are harder, and some of them are physical, some of them are emotional, various ways. You know, not, not one of those things come out of providence. It is all planned by our loving God. It is planned in the right dose it is planned for the right season. It is planned for the right period. Even, to, even before all these generations came, the Lord had already said that they would go into bondage. So the Lord has plans in bringing his servants through. So when we go through difficulties and uncertainties, one thing to remember, fear not for I am with you. The Lord is with us. Be not dismayed. What is being dismayed? You are amazed in a negative way. That you lose all your courage. Do not be dismayed. Do not be, dis be not dismayed for I am your God. I am your God. 
I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We don't have time to go through all. But I just want to go down to verse 14 straight away. Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. <clears throat> I will help you, says the Lord, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make you into a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth. And you shall thresh the mountains and beat them small and make the hills like chaff. Says, he addresses Jacob as worm. So when Israel stands before the Lord in this convocation of nations, Israel is but a worm with no power. You stamp on it, it's no more. To the worm, Jacob, the Lord says, I will make you a threshing sledge. What kind of threshing sledge? Not a normal threshing sledge. Threshing sledge with sharp teeth that will thresh the mountains and beat them small. A threshing sledge that will thresh the mountains and he'll make the hills like chaff. A worm that will be converted to a threshing sledge that will thresh the mountains and make them like chaff. You shall winnow them, and the wind shall carry them away. All these nations, all these difficulties, all these things that stand against you, you shall thrust them. Howsoever mighty a mountain that be, you shall thrust them, and it will be like chaff, and you shall winnow them. The wind shall carry them away. But you shall rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. There will come a day when we shall rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. Okay. Um, verse 17 to 20, it describes the condition of the people of God at that time. The poor and needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues fail for thirst. Poor and needy, wandering like a beggar on the street. And now they are in the desert, not even water to drink. They just want a bit of water. They're thirsty. That's a condition of Israel. So almost like Hagar and Ishmael, the last drop of water gone, Hagar doesn't know what to do. He puts Ishmael under, the, um, under a bush and waiting for him to die. Israel is in that condition. The poor and poor and needy and tongues feel for thirst. The Lord says, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in desolate heights, fountains in the midst of valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. Not only that, I will plant in the wilderness the cedar and the acacia tree, the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the cypress and the pine and the box tree together, that they, 
that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this and the Holy One of Israel has created it. This is what the poor and needy, the thirsty one will get. Rivers, fountains, and water to sustain big plantations. Okay. Um, I have a friend called Lancy. Okay. So we used to be, while I was working in Belay, he used to be my pillion rider most of the time. So I've learned a technique of uh, bargaining from him. So North Indian traders are really um, foxy. So you go to a shop, they'll say, oh, it's the best of stuff. So let's say there's a cloth, and then they'll say, it's a badia material, best of materials. Okay, so he'll just look at it and just touch it and feel it. And so, so he'll just ask them, okay, you said this good material. Ha, sir, yes. So he will go through it again and again, and he will ask them a second time the same question. So this is a good material? Now the, the second question, <laughs> the guy goes a little shaky. And the third, if things are not really good, most of the salesmen break down, you know. So three times is very good. Huh? Strong confirmation. I think it is the same way in taking courage and speaking courage the Lord does it to us. Here, verse 10, he says, Fear not, for I am with you. And you come down to verse 13. The Lord again says, Fear not, I will help you. And verse 14 again says, Fear not, you worm, Jacob. Fear not, fear not, fear not. Okay, it's, um, it's like swearing three times or whatever. Huh? Fear not, there's nothing to be afraid. Nothing to be afraid. The only thing that we need to do is to follow the Lord. Seek the Lord. Not only when we are in trouble, but even at other times. Remember who he is. He sits above all nations, above everything. We don't need to be worried about political systems. We don't need to be worried about social systems and villages where we and preach. We don't need to be worried about um, the, the educational systems where they teach utter nonsense to shake our faith. We don't need to be worried about our bosses who are unethical and force us into things. Come what may, we can take courage in the Lord. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. We are worms, but He will strengthen us. How? Like the threshing sledge that threshes the mountains. He will uphold us with His righteous right hand. It is not because of any of our merits. Many times we want to say how good we are, how gifted we are, and how we can preach or sing or do this thing or that. Nonsense. It is just because he upholds us 
with his righteous right hand. Let him who, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. I intended to read um, a portion from Romans 8. I'll just read it without explaining. That's Romans 8, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8, the last portion. <clears throat> Verse 31 to 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yesterday Jonathan posted something on the um, CBF men's page. A link to um, some crucifixion of eight Christians in Syria by the ISIS. It's a horrible sight to look at. And dead bodies in display for three days of um, believers who came from Muslim background. And I went through it and I called up called my second son to see it and we were saying oh what a pity Asha and I were saying that and we are saying that and my second son he he's a right brain guy so he doesn't think like this he immediately comes from a different angle says oh God how joyful they are Lord Please, why not? Why couldn't I have it? That was his reaction. Okay. I think many times we are set to think in the world's ways. Sometimes it is a blessing not to have some of our left brain capability and just go in the spirit and be with the spirit of the Lord and look at things in a, from another perspective. The Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. I am the Lord. That's what he says. And he says, you are my servant. You are Jacob, whom I love, whom I have chosen. You are the children of Abraham, my servant. Let us thank the Lord. Father, we want to thank you for all the 
words that have been written for us ages ago so that we could go back and look at them and take courage and be filled with strength. Yes, Lord, your words bring us life. It's full of strength. Lord, we look to you. We look to you who's full of knowledge, who's full of power. The gods of this world, whether they be the gods of science or political systems or whatever, they are not powerful. They don't have a mandate that doesn't come from you. Yes, Satan has corrupted and has taken control. But Lord, we know that this whole world belongs to you. That all power on earth and heaven has been given to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are his sons. We are his servants. Lord, you have called us out to serve you, to love you, to live for you. Whatever be the problems that come across us, whatever be the situation that we be in, whether we be like a worm that can be sniffed out in a second, whether we be like whether we be poor and needy and wandering, with a wonder thirst that can never be satisfied. Lord, you are there. Springs of water come from you. Mountains are filled with rivers. Fountains break forth in the valleys. Springs in the wilderness. You will plant trees. There will be great plantations in desolate heights. Lord, we want to confess that you are our God, that we are your children, that we have been bought by the precious blood of the Lamb who died for us on the cross, the precious blood of your own Son, that we are friends of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, that though we be wicked and sinful, we have been redeemed by your precious blood. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that knowledge. And thank you for your words of comfort. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Lord, we take courage in you and help us always to be filled with that courage. And we just want to thank you for your spirit who lives within us. Help us that in our lives we will open every crevices of our heart that you will fill our lives and use us for your glory. In Christ's precious name.